Well, congratulations. As you'll see in your membership class notes I'm handing out, you made it through a lot of classes with a lot of delays, which usually is the case with a longer class over the year. I think it was around this time. Well, let me look ahead to the first class. What was the date? We, we started September 1st last year. So uh, at least we're ending, ending in the same month this year. So. And uh, this is the last class, and it's mostly a wrap-up class, although I am going to go over some scriptures and questions that have come up over the years, including last week. And I hope they'll be uh, edifying for you, kind of a miscellaneous appendix kind of a thing. Um, and kids, don't worry, that doesn't mean I'm giving you part of my body. It's what you call something you have in the end of a book, some extra stuff. So just having fun. Yes, Isaac. Okay, so yeah, we're going to open and close with singing a psalm today to rejoice in the Lord and keep our eyes on where we kind of left off with the study last week of uh, looking for Christ's return and uh, righting all wrongs and establishing the new heavens and earth. So Psalm 67, page 133, and I'm just going to adjust my mic a little bit here. Try to, I think I'll do it like this. I think that'll be all right. Okay. So let's, let's sing together, and then I'd like to sing another psalm at the end. Psalm 67, page 133, what we always close our evening worship with together. Okay. Da, 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 da. Lord, bless and pity us. Shine on us with thy face, that the earth thy way and nations all may know thy saving grace. Let people praise thee, Lord. Let back to the Psalter at the end of the study. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm just going to pop a cough drop. <coughs> I'm mostly all better, but it kind of surprises me at times, and I'd, I'd rather you have to hear a cough drop maybe chatter in my teeth a little bit rather than, uh, I, I, I have a, I, I'm the kind of cougher that it hits me hard, and I cough a lot, and it's not quiet, so I think a cough drop chattering along a little bit will be less less distracting so sorry about that I thought I was going to make it 
Okay. Boy, I tell you though, these vapor something cough drops from Costco, I didn't see any of their options. Ooh, they are powerful. If you really have a bad cough, they work good. It helped me go to sleep last night. But I'm telling you what, it's like drinking Listerine, the old Listerine, you know, only worse. You know, it's funny. Rachel tried to put one in her mouth Sunday night. And she's like, oh, she couldn't even keep it in for like two seconds. So they're really strong. You're going to hate them, but you're going to love them. I mean, if you got a bad cough there, I have never had anything this helpful. I don't know what it is. I don't want to know because it says something about medication. Maybe I'm overdosing. I don't want to know because it's helping a lot so, uh, with my cough anyway. So, okay. Just I'm going to be careful not to light a flame in front of me because I think, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure what's in here, but it's powerful stuff. So, okay. So, again, the final class. Congratulations. You made it through. I know that you enjoy the class, and I appreciate it, but I do want to recognize, again, it's a lot. It's meant to be pretty thorough to put on your bookshelf with your Westminster Confession. And, um, you know, as I highlight, there's a lot of footnotes. There's a lot of suggested readings and things to listen to. It's meant to give you a lot to work with on the main things you're likely to come up with. It expands and teaches what's most important to know from the Westminster Standards, which that's what it's for. If you read, remember, I had to read the opening letters. It's for Christians, for the Christian faith, to, to have a resource to teach you the main things of the Christian faith. It's kind of like a systematic theology in that it's topical. It's in a logical order, teaching the main things of the Christian faith. You go to the table of contents, and remember, you can go there and, you know, I always say, don't recreate the wheel. They really worked hard on this. Remember, for seven years, the cream of crop ministers academically and spiritually will never come close to them. And I speak of myself as a pastor and other ministers. We're never going to come close to them. It was a special uh, movement of the Spirit, a special time. So anyways, great resources in the Westminster Standards, and this is meant to give you an aid to working with them. And uh, But congratulations, it's a, it was a lot to work with. We had a lot of extra supplemental things, and it was a long time. Uh, I do know what I'm doing next week. I'll tell you next week, because if I, if I start telling you now, I'll end up blabbing about it. But uh, And uh, I have uh, several different requests from y'all that uh, I'll definitely have on a list and, and slowly start to get to them. Um, but I'm going to try to keep it simple for a little while and give you a little bit of a breather, okay? But thank you for being such great listeners and, um, and a lot of interaction this time around. It was really fun. And I do have the microphone if we have any questions uh, or any comments. I welcome that. But this is mostly a wrapping it up class. In a way, it feels a little funny because last week was kind of the climax. It's we're done with the Westminster Standards. I did have you read some larger and shorter catechisms that I couldn't really sperse within the other parts of the confession that related. So I had that. If you have any questions, anything you want to talk about with that, we can do that. But otherwise, I'm going to pretty much remind you, you who are taking the class formally uh, to graduate from baptist, uh, baptism membership to uh, communicate membership, or some of you who are looking to transfer um, or uh, join the church, uh, more less of a transfer. Uh, so you're going to have next steps more formally. And so what I'm intending to do is kind of remind you what I told you at the beginning. Shouldn't be any surprises, but just it's been a long class. I'm going to review that with you. And then, like I said, I have an appendix um, where we'll just go through some different questions that have come up over the years that I thought was worth keeping it in for, since I answered them for others. And then, like I said, I do have an answer I already sent it to you, but for Mrs. Corson, uh, I got some Thomas, uh, some Thomas Watson stuff on that question. Although I saw in the picture from the breakfast, you took the book home with you, so you're way ahead of me, too. So It was great to have a book with a lady holding Thomas Watson's body. I'm like, that's so cool. Okay. 
But anyways, I digress. Let me try to do what I'm hoping to do and let you out a little early tonight. Famous last words, but we'll give it a try. Okay, so let's look at uh, top of page 229. By the way, as I've handed you things out, the numbers kind of move. If, if you look at it later, I'm always adding stuff later that I read or a fixing of something. So if the page numbers don't always line up, you're not necessarily missing something. Sometimes uh, the, 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 it's evolved when you're sleeping, you know. So eventually one day I'm going to get this all cleaned up and try to have it finished. But I have a lot more books to read first. Okay, so what we're looking at tonight is page 229 where it says week 33 with the date, final class, congratulations. So let's look at number one, membership exam. Dun, 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 dun. Membership exam. <laughs> okay. Remember, this document, which I've included and we'll look at it, is to serve as a guide for discussion with session during a review towards you possibly becoming a communicate member. And we say that more of us not wanting to presume upon you. We're hoping you will. Um, the exam, uh, and, and probably there's a better word for it than exam. It's not really exam, but the exam is take home, open notes, open book, open internet, open phone, call, or I should put in here text now. I finally got a smartphone. Text your pastor for answers or your elders if you have any questions. Okay? It's not really that much it's very little about. It's very little of the class. It's mostly the basics. Okay, uh, the class was meant to. You can see the whole Westminster standards because when you take your vows, you're saying you recognize the Westminster standards to be teaching the scriptures, working with the working with the elders as part of this church, and so we want you to have read them, and to have a gist of what they're talking about. We don't expect you to remember or know it all. We don't. It's something that we, as the elders, have to swear to teach and submit to. Um, we don't take exceptions, uh, but it's, it's not something that we're going to drill you on all those details. It was meant to be hopefully a very enjoyable class that taught you a lot, um, but the, the exam is really covering some of the basics and just serving to be a discussion together. Um, there's a few questions that are carried over from earlier membership exams. Uh, with Pastor Bell. Pastor Bell was here for 30 years. I didn't make up this exam. I didn't make the exam. It's, it's mostly what Pastor Bell did for his membership classes years ago. I would remind you he required a lot more reading than I did. If, I, if you like, I'll show you. Let me do it again. I always like to do this at the beginning. Let me do it again. If you're catching up on readings for the class, look at all these books. These are not short books that Ms. Pastor Bell required for membership class. So you got it easy with me, kiddos. Right? Um, who am I calling kiddos? I'm younger than most of you. But. Okay. Um, but some of what I'm getting at, though, is some of the questions in the exam, for lack of a better word, are not really reflecting this class, but I thought I should leave them in there. I don't think there's any tricks or things that should surprise you, but you may say, oh, I don't remember talking about in the class. Well, we might not have. It was in Pastor Bell's class, and um, I thought it made sense to leave it in. Most of it is the exam that existed for membership before I came here. I want to say that. But I've added some things to reflect my class, but, but not really that much, Okay. Uh, in the exam you will, letter B, in the exam you will need to sign that you have completed all assignments. And actually, uh, before we continue, let's look at the exam, okay? Turn ahead with me. I put it in there for you again. I'm not trying to trick you, no surprises. It's open book, take, take, don't you love it when the teacher gives you a take-home test, you know, and check your notes and read your books and call your pastor. Well, I don't think you can call me for your math class test. You can't do that, but you can for this one, Okay. 
So I gave this to you at the beginning, so this is redundant in a duplicate. You have it at the beginning of your class. But um, you can look right here and go through it, and, uh, and uh, you know, I'll help you with it. So you shouldn't be intimidated. I'll help you answer everything correctly. It's just wanting to make sure that you can say, yeah, I agree with that. I recognize that, you know. So, for instance, we had a guy uh, not too long ago tech email us, hey, I've looked at your website. I really like a lot of what you stand for. But is it okay if, can I become a member if I deny Calvinism? Actually, literally, that's the email. And I deny TULIP. And what was the other one? Infant baptism. And we tried to bend over backward to say, well, why don't you, why don't you read with us and study? And, you know, it seemed very teachable. And then it was like, oh, no, I'm never going to change on this stuff, pretty much was the answer. And they came to worship and then decided it wasn't for them, and, you know, which is okay. But, you know, remember early I said, if you have a problem with, Tulip or Calvinism, we, we, we probably should talk about that. So we're, it's in the test as a, as a way to try to help serve for discussion. If you are really diehard Arminian it, it, and you're not willing to study and, and talk more with us, it's probably not going to end up being a good place for you to be in membership. Although it doesn't mean we don't want to be a place to grow and work on issues, but that's kind of a fairly basic one, right? Um, yeah, Abraham. Yeah. Okay, you are such a 14-year-old of modern times. You don't need to look it up on the website. Go through your membership class booklet. It's in the booklet. That's my answer. Okay? And if you can't find it, come to your dad. You know where he lives, right down the hallway. And uh, I'll guide you, okay? But, you know, you, you know how to do searches and stuff. You, if you want to do a quick search, find the answer. But I don't think you're going to need to do that too much. But it's in the notes. Okay? It's so funny. I'm like, I'm old now. Y'all. What do you need an internet for, you whippersnapper? Read the book. Okay. Anyhow. Yeah, but you can, I'm not going to give you a certain website. You can find it quick with searches. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I would recommend the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. I would recommend Ligonier.org are two really good resources. But there's plenty of them out there. I would recommend, actually, you want my really serious answer? Our website, because everything you need is on our website. There's nothing we don't stand for in Doctrine or Practice that's not on our website with about 9 million articles per topic, because we're never trying to hide anything from anyone, okay? So really, I would say go to our website, kid. And there's a search box, and it works really good. I can call him kid. He's my son. I got a couple years on him. He's got more hair, but I got more years. Uh, Go to the website and use the search box, and it'll bring up. It'll bring up stuff, okay? Okay. All right, you tricked me. Now i got to focus. Okay, let's get back to the page 229 and letter B. In the exam, you will need to sign. So part of the exam, you'll have to sign that you completed all assignments. Now that means reading in full the Westminster Confession of Faith, reading in full the Westminster Larger Catechism, reading in full the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and all their scripture, scripture proofs. Uh, it's okay to skip repetitions of the catechism uh, scriptures already given. You know, so especially the larger and shorter, a lot of times you're going to see the same scripture, even with the confession. You don't have to keep reading three times to save time. But make sure you've read, read at least once the different scriptures. Now, why are we doing that? I, I have more to say you need to make sure you've read. Again, if you're going to take vows related to the Westminster Standards, we want to make sure that you've read them. I remind you when I was going before a presbytery committee, to help us, some of us seminary students prepare for the next Presbytery exam. I remember saying to a fellow student who 
who at that time was really being considered probably a future professor. I don't think he is. He's a minister. Um, and I remember saying, boy, I'm just trying so hard to make sure I understand all of the Westminster standards because I've got to really make sure I know that I understand what they say. I'm going to swear to them. And he says, yeah, you know, I haven't really read them that much. I thought to myself, are you kidding me? You're going to take a vow to something you haven't even read? or you know? So we want to make sure that you've read it, but we don't want you just to read it. We want you to see where it's coming from, the scriptures. That's why we ask you to read the scriptures too. We're not trying to torture you. We're trying to give you an opportunity to be well-read in the scriptures and have a deeper knowledge of the scriptures as assisted by the standards. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, by the way, do you remember that when they submitted, this was seven years, right? Lots of committees go back to those first couple of classes. This was seven years of study. Committees doing every different thing involved. And then they had to bring it to their peers and have it studied and peer-reviewed and go back and answer and fix things. Lots of debates. And, um, and the government, who asked them to do this, and it was during civil war with cannons being shot outside sometimes, and they didn't have the internet to look up stuff. And they had to leave their families for months at a time from Scotland, for instance, the Scottish commissioners. And, you know, it was, a, it was not easy to do this stuff. What I want you to remember is the government said, hey, this is great. Can you go back and write down scriptures that you have for reference? So the government said, can you please give us the scriptures? They were a little hesitant to do so because they don't want you to think this is relying on just one or two scripture proofs. They have the system of scripture involved, and they want you to be, oh, I don't see it in that one scripture, so it's not there. They, but they did. They gave a lot of scriptures. So as you see, when we study on Sunday nights, the Lord's Day evenings, we always look at all the scriptures, letter A, letter B, letter C, the different clauses. Okay. So anyways, we want you to have looked at that so you can uh, be informed and be uh not taking a vow about something you didn't actually read, okay? Um, so we want you to read, again, the Confession, Larger Sword of Catechism in full, and their scripture proofs. Uh, it's okay to skip repetitions of scriptures, and then along with any pre-assigned articles or videos each week. So, for instance, at the beginning, I asked you to read the, the different uh, ratifications by the Church of Scotland. They were short of these different um, documents. I asked you to read... Uh, the two letters at the beginning of the Westminster Standards, uh, one's by Thomas Manton, one's by the Westminster Divines. It's the letter to the reader, letter to the heads of households. Okay? They're very brief, but they're really powerful, and they, they explain what this is, this package. Okay? And so I want you to read those. And sometimes I had an extra reading for you, such as on the King James, and we went over it. Sometimes I had a reading like on confessionalism pretty early on, an article I wrote, and they're all on our website. So we want to make sure you've actually read all those. We're going to ask you to sign your name, which is like an oath, confirming that you did. If you need more time, then take more time. It's no problem. You know, We don't all have to become members at the same time. But we want you to have looked through all that stuff because it informs. If I gave you an extra reading, there's a reason for it. We want you to be informed. We don't want implicit faith. Do you know what that is? I'm pretty sure a lot of people accuse us of that, but that's not true. And those are the people who never wanted to do the study. What is implicit faith with the Catholic Church? Just take our word for it. Just take our word for it. Believe through us. We'll tell you this is true, right? No, 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 no. We do not want that. We also don't want you to reject it without having a good reason and studying it, okay? So study whatever we've asked you to read, okay? And if you're not sure, go back through your notes 
Every week there is an assigned reading. Then there's the suggested readings. I think it's backward. I think I, first it's suggested readings, then it's the assigned. One week I asked you to watch a video. If you didn't watch it, it's on acapella psalmody. It's about 10 minutes on our website. We link to it on our website. It's actually what I did with my internship under Dr. Stuyvesant back in Pittsburgh. It's on, our, it's on why we sing the psalms and why we don't use instruments. It's very good. It's like 10 minutes. Part of my internship, I helped produce it with the guy we used for the seminary that I worked with for video stuff. Okay? There's not a lot of extra assignments, but there are some. And when we're asking you to sign that you've completed all the assignments, that's what I'm talking about. Check If you're not sure, check what is assigned before the next class at the bottom of the, the previous class and see if you have anything to make up. Okay? If you haven't finished it all, don't worry about it. Especially uh, several of you came into the class while we were pretty far along. So I imagine... You're listening to it on sermon audio, and uh, you're catching up and working. But I want you, if you're, I, I've printed everything for you, right, for your booklets. And uh, so I encourage you, while you're listening to sermon audio, it's okay if you've got to do it while you're driving to save time. But I also want to ask you to read through the lecture notes that I'm working with, okay? Because uh, I want you to see what's there. I want you to be able to study if you have any questions. And there's a lot of footnotes that I don't go over that if you're not sure about something, it's probably in a footnote, okay? If I know it's controversial or I know it could make you go, oh, I never thought about that before, I usually got it in a footnote or a, 10 footnotes, and I probably have 20 suggested readings, okay? And that's just a smidgen of our website. I'm just saying, we're trying to give you everything and more than you need. Some of you will not need it. You're not interested. You just do what you need to do. You're done. Fine. But if you're not sure about something, if you're not sure you agree with something, then we ask you to do the reading and look at the suggested readings. And then the exam is to help you communicate if you're not sure about something. I'm not sure about infant baptism. I'm not sure about um, church discipline or something. And it's only so we can talk more about it and get you to the place where you feel comfortable with it. Okay? Uh, it's, it's not a timeline, it's not a pressure, it's meant to be discipleship, right? The end of the Gospel of Matthew, the Great Commission, was not go evangelize. Evangelism is a means to an end. What's the Great Commission? Make disciples, teaching them to do all that I've commanded, okay? And the Puritans were, that's what they were about. They were concerned to know the whole counsel of God, to get back to the word in worship and in purity of life and government, Okay? And it's, it, admittedly, it's a lot. We're pretty thorough. And we're wanting you to have a pretty good reference point. Let me share, why is this class so long? As I've talked to a lot of pastors, I don't know any churches that does a class like this. They're all maybe three to six weeks tops. They don't get into a lot. And I don't know that they even go through the Westminster Standards, and I'm pretty sure they don't require you to say you read them. I'm not criticizing them, but when I transferred my membership here, I listened through, I don't know, 50 audio cassettes, Kids, those are these little white rectangle things that spin with tape, and you've probably never seen them before. I think we have. So um, when I was growing up, that was the bomb. None of those eight tracks, you know. uh, CDs took me a long time to switch to CDs, man. I'm not an early adapter like all my friends who want me to get CDs. I finally got CDs, and I only got four, and one of them was Leon Redbone, and my friend was like, are you serious? This is your first CD, and this is what you get? You know who Leon Redbone is? He's very cool. Okay, anyways. um, uh, (laughs) Okay, I digress. Sorry. Um, I I did get a lot of sleep tonight, or the last few nights, and uh, AT&T took all day, so I'm a little bit loony. Well, I should say more than usual. Um, But 
what we want you to do is go through all of the, and I had a point I was going with there somewhere and I completely lost it, I'm sorry. Um, uh, we want you to be able to go through all of this stuff and be able to talk, oh yeah, okay, sorry, I got distracted by the cassette tapes. Don't let me go on tangents because I'm too tired to get myself back on track. Um, throw something at me. Okay, why did Pastor Bell have a class that was so long and involved so much reading? Yes, create disciples. But one of the reasons is, and there's a balancing act. Sometimes I've asked the elders, asked everybody that's taken the class. I've not had enough feedback, or really, really any feedback, that suggests doing a simpler version. I'm really open to that. But um, the reason they did such a long class is because they had a lot of people that would start to deny some of the main things the church stands for and cause lots of divisions and take people with them. And so the concern was, well, let's make sure you really believe what we're talking about and you're committed to it before you take and destroy our church over something that we never hid and you should have decided whether you believe it or not before you got serious. Although a lot of people weren't members over those times. But that's why they developed such a long thing is to help people really know what they're getting into. And so there's no surprises and so you don't mess with the sheep. You know, kind of, that's kind of the idea. Hey, by the way, if you choose not to become a member, you're welcome to attend, of course, always. But you have to have membership in a visible church to take the means of grace, and you really should be wherever you think you best match with the church. It, it'd be best to be where you think you belong. I mean, we want you, and we're hoping to disciple and train you. But if at the end of this class you say, I don't know, I, I like you guys a lot. I'm going to come sometimes in the evening for fellowship, but I, I don't think this is where I belong. That's okay. We would, you know, we'll miss you. We'll be a little heartbroken. We would really like to study with you about whatever you don't think. But at the end of the day, um, this is not meant to coerce. It's meant to inform and give a good reference point for everyone involved, okay? Um, let me get back to the notes here because I am definitely digressing tonight. Uh, again, if you missed the class, listen to all the lectures on Sermon Audio. Now, there's extra ones this year that don't have notes, such as uh, Elder Renner gave a testimony about his conversion with Mrs. Renner and his uh, honoring the Sabbath and his tithing. And it was a really meaningful night. A lot of us were weeping and rejoicing. It was a beautiful thing. So that's on there. I want you to listen to that. Uh, there are no lecture notes for that or handouts. But in, on Sermon Audio, please go in order and make sure you've listened to everything, okay? Um, and again, the PDFs are up there, but I think I've given you actually all the printouts. Uh, and then uh, because I, I've also given you the handouts I would have given out, most of those handouts are extra for you if you'd like to read them. If it's not in the required readings when I tell you, then you can choose whether you want to look through those or not. I threw them as extras for you, no charge, no extra charge, Okay. Um, I note that there are, I think there's 32, this is 33 classes, MP3 lectures. And um, we want to know that you've read through the, the lecture notes, the, ha the required uh, stuff ahead of time, because you're going to sign on the, on the test that you've done that, okay? And if you haven't done it, don't lie. Not that I'm accusing that you will, but some people do. Uh, just take the time you need to get it done. Don't worry about it, okay? Um, when you take your membership vows as agreeing to query number four, these signatures will be understood to be behind it. So please take seriously what you learned about uh, the solemnity of oaths and vows and truth-telling in chapter 22 of the Confession on Oaths and Vows. Take it seriously. Um, by the way, uh, look past the exam real quick, and I want to show you the queries again. Um, you'll see the paper. It says official vows. 
covenant to enter into full communicant membership with the church. And this reflects really, it's mostly coming from the RPCNA. I think we tweaked it a little bit. It might reflect the OPC, but these are really standard vows for any Reformed Presbyterian church. There's nothing really too special here or unique. However, um, what we're going to do is, in the worship service, if you decide you meet with the elders, let me tell you the next step, but, and we all decide, yeah, let's do this, then during a worship service, perhaps with others, if you're all ready at the same time, if not, we'll do it as you're ready, you would take these vows, and in, we still use the black OPC book for the order of these things, so there's a bit of a script, so to speak, and I'll go through it with you asking questions of the congregation, too. They'll make vows to you, and we, as your elders, are making vows to you as well, or oaths of our commitment to you formally. Um, but these are what you will say. Okay, so you can read through that, and this is what we'll ask you, and we're looking for a yes, or I do, something like that, okay? You'll probably have your hand raised, and then after you take the vows, we will ask you to sign this at that moment, and we'll sign, oh no, you just signed this, I think we, we'll, we'll also have a, um, uh, a membership certificate that we'll all sign, the elders will sign, and you'll sign too. Uh, it's kind of nice to do it, we do it with baptisms of little kids too. So this, so just, you know, again, here's the... Here's the thing to go through for answering questions. You will turn the test into me first, and I'll go through it. And I'm just looking for anything like if you say, yeah, I think Tulip is evil and I hate Calvinism, we're going to want to probably bring that up in the elders meeting, okay? Just as a silly example, okay? Um, the goal would be to help you understand Tulip and believe it. It wouldn't be to pressure you or hurt you. Uh, and it would be, if that's such a big deal for you, we'd probably want to talk about, we really want to try to get you to where you believe and understand this. But do you think that's something you want to keep studying with us? And if, if it's going to be a point of contention, if that's such a big thing, we're, we're probably, going to, probably going to encourage you to find a, a church home that better suits you. Okay? But that's not our goal. Our goal is to bring you in, and I know that's the goal you're expressing. But you'll take those vows. You'll give me this test first, and then uh, I'll let the elders know as I've gone through them. We will ask to meet with you as sessions. So myself, Elder Renner, and Elder Maxwell, we will ask to meet with you. It can be in your home, it can be at the church, it can be at a coffee house, whatever you prefer. And we'll just use this exam as a reference point, you know, and uh, we'll give it back to you. We'll make a photocopy for our notes. Uh, and uh, we'll just go over it. And it's not, we'll just go over this, this, this. But we'll say, okay, and tell us or how you're feeling about it. And are you thinking you want to do this or anything you want to study more so you, if you need more peace or whatever, you know. And um, each person may need more time or a different way about it, okay? But So you'll turn the test to me. I'll go over it, make notes of anything that I think we need to talk about. We may have other things we want to talk about with you, uh, each of you individually, depending on, you know, whatever we think might be useful. You should come ready to be very open and upfront with us, anything you think you want. Now, now is the time to do that. Not that you can't keep talking and learning later, um, but if there's anything you really think is important to talk about now, please do that. It's, it's private, and uh, it's meant for us to get to know you better, especially some of you that we've been so delighted to have. But as you know, we've been really busy, and uh, we only get to know you so well during fellowship at church. So this is also our opportunity to get to know you a little better. We're probably going to want to know a little more about your life and um, you know uh, what your favorite football team is, and if it's not mine, it has to change. No, just kidding. Um, but you know, we're, we're going to want to. Unless you're my family, then you have to root for the football team that I choose until you're out on your own. Um, okay. So, uh, and thankfully, it's they're fun to root for right now. But basically, we're, I just want to emphasize this is meant to be fellowship. 
Uh, it's not the Gestapo. If you have us in our homes, we're not coming with white gloves. Um, if you want to serve us coffee or tea, you may, but you don't have to have anything ready. Okay? And uh, that's, that's, the, that's the gist of it. That's what's next. You go through this exam, turn it in, and I'll follow up with you all, too, who are taking it formally. If I don't hear from you, and say, hey, how's it going? I uh, think you might have that. To, where are you? Like, if I know you're catching up and anything I can do. Hey, and in the meantime, let's say you're on Chapter 10, whatever it is. Pastor, would you mind coming over and can we just talk about it more? Or would you mind actually just giving me this lecture? Because I feel like I need help and ask questions. Yeah, I'll be there. No problem. Okay? Kind of using the sermon audio as an advantage. Uh, but I, you need some direct pastoring or discipleship? We'll be there. No problem. Okay, whatever you need. Okay, let's move on to number two because I'm pretty much blabbing. Oh, no, letter C. Well, I guess I've covered it. Please return your exam to pastor within a week. Oh, yeah. When you're ready, when you're done with the class, try to get it to us within a week so that we can review in advance of meeting with you. The document helps us make sure you have a general understanding and commitment to the basics and allows you to express any uncertainties or disagreements that could exist so we can talk about them. The goal of this review is that we can agree together to welcome you into formal fellowship under sessions oversight with the Puritan Reformed Presbyterian Church, or if you're already a baptized member, to begin taking communion. It is not anticipated to be a lengthy visit, but it can be if you need it to be. It doesn't have to be long. I mean, you know when you have Pastor Grant, you've got to watch out or it's always going to be long, but I'll try not to be too long. It can be relatively short. You've got a lot you want to talk about? It can be long. If it needs, can we have another visit? No problem. Whatever you need, okay? Um, number three. But let me say this. If it ends up you're done with the class and we've had 33 visits, I think I may start to try to push the envelope a little bit. You get, but, you know, the, there's lots of room to grow, okay? Okay, letter uh, number three. Larger and shorter catechisms that you were to read for today. Are there any questions, anything you want to go over? Okay, no problem. And if you have more later and you prefer to do it privately for anything, let us know. Number four. Um... I have some quotes here on why you want to become a church member. And by the way, I have a, we, we have a ton of this on our website, and I've already handed out plenty of this to you. Uh, but here's just a reminder of why church membership, why you want to be a church member. Quote, the Bible commands, obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, Hebrews 13, 17. This does not mean to obey in some vague way, simply giving lip service. You cannot obey those empowered to rule in Christ's church if you never join. You simply cannot submit to the church's lawfully constituted leadership unless you become a member. You could never be excommunicated if you have never been a communicant member to begin with. Is church membership optional? For the Christian who is obligated to live his life according to every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, it is only necessary to determine. Does God's word require it or not? What does our text say? Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. That is pretty clear, isn't it? By the way, it occurred to me in the past many years ago, somebody was really arguing it doesn't actually mean obey. Oh yeah, that's exactly what it means. It doesn't mean obey me that you have to root for the Buffalo Bills. That's not true. Okay? It doesn't mean obey me that you have to use the same microwave I use. That's not what it's about. But as it, as it relates to working with session in the church, and these main things we've talked about in Scripture, you work with us. And uh, by the way, I was just going back through um, some things with Aaron's rod blossoming. George Gillespie, one of the Scottish commissioners to the Westminster Assembly, 
It's a very, very good work. Gold, Gordon Clark says, when I read it, I say I'm like a, I'm an imbecile, something like that. It's so good. It's so amazing. I'm nothing. Gordon Clark says that when he reads it. Anyways, he was dealing with that and says, yeah, that's what it means. Okay, it does mean that. Uh, I know in America that's particularly unpopular, but that's what it means. You know, we're submitting to the authority. It doesn't mean without checks and balances. We've gone through that. Um, uh, that is pretty clear, isn't it, he says. There is no getting around the fact that the disciples of Jesus Christ, the disciple of Jesus Christ, is under solemn obligation to submit obediently to the lawful authority of the church. And that can only be done in a formal commitment of membership. It, that's the other reason, like, we can't really do anything. We can try to reach you, serve you different things, but at the end of the day, if you're not formally members in our church... We don't have any formal authority or oversight over you. So, you know, that also relates to if you're not in a, and you're not a membership in the formal visible church, that, that is why you can't take the Lord's Supper, right? Um, because that's a benefit of being in the visible church, okay? Um, this is by Stephen Pribble, uh, Southfield Reformed Presbyterian Church. I give you the website address there. That's a reason. Now, there's a lot more reasons I've already given you in notes related to church, there is so much on our website about the doctrine of the church and the importance of being a member, and, uh, and I'll let you go look at those things on the website. I've given them to you in the suggested readings, links and stuff and names. I'm happy to point you to them with a quick email if that's more helpful for you, if, if, if you want that. I don't think that's necessary. I think you understand you're eager to join the church, but uh, I thought it was relevant at the end here. Yes, Josh. Uh, on that, um... Oh, you know what? Hold on a minute. I keep forgetting. Can you guys pass the mic around so that it'll be picked up on the recording? Okay, before I give it to you, I feel like I'm supposed to sing something to my wife. Wake up. Thanks a lot. I'm the teacher. All right. No, I'm not singing anything for it. No, I'm just kidding. How about, um, uh, how about, I love you for sentimental reasons. I hope you do believe me. I'm giving you my heart. I love you. I can't remember the words. Aren't you happy? I can't remember. Uh, please say we'll never part. Okay. I think of you every morning. Dream of you every night. Oh, that's something exhausted. That's it. Uh, darling, I'm never lonely whenever you're inside. Okay. I don't have Mr. Renner here to sing to, so I had to sing to somebody. Okay. You know, don't put a remote mic in my hand. I go straight into the lounge lizard room. I'm sorry. Okay, Josh, you're required to sing before you ask a question. Pick something. Go. Oh, no. Everyone will lose your oh, All right. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so we're ultimately submitting ourselves to Christ the King. Right? Yeah. Because the officers are his officers of the kingdom. That's right. You're submitting yourself to Christ the King who has delegated his authority to the office bearers. As When we were on this subject of church discipline, uh, we highlighted that um, it is a, it's a delegated authority. It's not an inherited authority. Right. Yeah. Just like, just like any officer in our nation, right? It's not their own inherent authority. It's, they're a servant, and they're entrusted with these duties of really serving more than anything. Yeah. But calling upon the people to obey the laws of the land. And so similarly, somebody's got to be the leaders getting people to obey the laws. Uh, other uh, Okay, uh, let's get to page 230 before I uh, start singing something else. Okay, top of page 230, the Westminster Confession, your confession of faith and life in and for Christ. 
Remember, as we started this, this is your statement of faith, okay? We don't have a one-page basic things on the website. This is a detailed statement of the Christian faith, and it's actually not very long when you think about it, especially if you just go with the confession of faith alone. It's quite short. Um, It's amazing what they pack into it, really. And then the larger and shorter catechisms are meant to help develop that faith. But the confession of faith is the statement of faith for Christianity. And it's nothing new. Remember the the Continental Reformed Church of England? Uh, This is a standard thing that churches do. They develop answering the main things about uh, the Christian faith. Okay? Uh, may, you co- may your copy of it be well-worn. By the way, if we haven't gotten you one, would you remind me? Uh, we usually do give to those taking the class, looking to join membership. We usually do give you a copy. we got to buy them. We get them out of Scotland. I was trying to see if we could get some out of America through some local distributors, and I called them because I didn't see it anywhere on their websites because they're out of sale. We'd like to get them in America because of a couple little tweaks not changing the standards about a typo thing we learned from our denomination. And, and actually, um, I think the printing and binding will last longer. Uh, but we'd like to get you one, okay, if you don't have one. So please remind me of that. That's really mine neglecting to do so. Um, partly, I guess, I'm going to use the excuse, some of you came into the class later on and the others pretty much had it. So, But uh, even Fernando, though we have it for you in Portuguese, it is part of a commentary, so I'd like to get you one in English, now that you're an American citizen especially, right? Now you need it. Um, but it doesn't have all the commentary, so it's easier to reference and work through. By the way, don't forget, just like all the classic Reformed um, confessions and catechisms, you can get them anywhere online for free, and you can get an app on your phone, and I have that too. It's helpful to just quickly look through things. You can also get this, the Psalters we use on your phone too. Um, Mr. Renner's always cute. He always likes to play the tune for us at the men's study before we sing. So, yeah, it, you got to sing first. If I give the if I give the mic to Gabriel, it's going to be believer. So go ahead. No, I can't remember it. It's very small and minor. Uh, but it was uh, something our, I, I can look it up and tell you. I, I, I can't remember it too well. Um, it's in the larger catechism. It's a, it's a small thing. It's, it's not insignificant, but it's not a big deal. Um, but the other thing is, is the, publish, the printing of it, I think, is, is a lot uh, more sturdy, and the pages are, I think, better quality. It'd be, it'd be nice if we can get it, but I don't think we'll wait forever. We might just... You might be, you might get the ones we all have, yeah. But I can tell, I can show it to you when I remember where it is, and anybody that wants to know, I can tell you, and you can write in it like we have. So, yeah. Okay, what are you gonna sing? No singing. Oh, come on. All right. Yeah. <laughs> straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and stay right. The buzzer said, the buzzy took a monkey to the right in the air. The monkey said, the buzzer hand really scared. Something like that. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and... St- I can't remember the words anymore. I was in jazz choir in high school, but it is, it's been a while. Yeah. No, don't... Oh, great. You're going to get me in real trouble. I was teaching the kids about Weird Al Yankovic from the 80s when I was growing up with the song, I'm Fat. And uh, the other one, actually, that I'm going to use at the dinner table for a certain almost four-year-old is, Eat it! Eat it! <laughs> <laughs> you haven't even touched your tuna casserole. Okay, let's get back to number five here. Letter A. Truth does not... Oh, actually, may your, let, let me say this. I, for, I got distracted, but we'll get you a copy if you don't have one. 
But may your copy of the Westminster Standards be worn over time, well-worn over time. First your Bible, but then the standards. So you live the kind of life that will turn the world upside down. Acts 17, verse 6. I remind you, um, uh, one of the pastors in Australia said, when we started reading the Westminster Standards, it was like a second conversion. Okay? Uh, letter A, truth does not change. And advance in inquiring more of the truth of God does not come by disregard for or contradiction of that which the Lord has taught in his church in the past. If there is to be a new day of advance in which the church will again recover genuine zeal and faithfulness, we believe it must be brought about by raising up the banner of truth that is expressed in the confession. It will not be to a lesser gospel than this confession expresses that we can look for glorious conquest and victory. The need of the hour is not for new creeds, or still worse, no creeds, but rather to recover the faith of our fathers as it is so wonderfully set forth in this statement of faith, the greatest of all Christian creeds. G.I. Williamson, the Westminster Confession of Faith for study classes. By the way, that's a real good one. Um, before I continue, it makes me recall to say, when we were at a speech and debate class Monday night, uh, the fellow that teaches apologetics, he was sharing with the kids why it's important to be doing apologetics. We all study it. Ligonier just came out with a survey they do, I think, every couple of years. And um, I don't know if he said 70%. Did he say 70%? 70-something 70 percent of Christians believe that we're born good. I think, right? Something like that. Like, most of them were 50-50, but that one was high. My point is, it was something like total depravity, the understanding that we're born sinners. We're not good. Most of evangelical Christianity denies that. They're not getting taught. They're not working through the system teaching us the main things of Scripture. Okay? So that's why we want to ground ourselves with these time-tested uh, tools to teach us the scriptures because most people are not really giving it a lot of attention to scripture and this helps us Westminster uh, next quote Westminster Confession of Faith for study oh excuse me letter B letter B this is from Gordon Clark the reformed faith and the Westminster Confession in what Presbyterians believe that he wrote Gordon Clark when the reformers preached the complete biblical message in all its detail and with the greatest possible clarity God granted the world its greatest spiritual awakening since the days of the apostles. May we not similarly expect astonishing blessings if we return with enthusiasm to all the doctrines of the Westminster Confession. I just want to emphasize, as I did at the beginning, how amazing this tool is for us. And every time I go through it in such detail for a class, I remember... Boy, neglected at my own problems. It's just reminding you of the main things of the scriptures and how to articulate it well. I'm glad that on the Lord's Day evenings, we're always slowly going through them all together. Okay, let, uh, number six. Answers to questions asked during a previous membership class included here for reference. So in the previous classes, some of these Bible questions came up and I needed to give some study for them. And uh, I have an answer from last week's question as well. They're miscellaneous, they're, and, but I thought, ah, it's good, good to keep them in there. The first question is, is this going to be on the test? No, just kidding. Okay. You know how some teachers, kids do that. If it's not going to be on the test, okay, I'm going to start looking out the window. Okay, just kidding. 
No, these are not going to be on the test. This is just for your, for your own benefit. Except for you, Fernando, the way you're looking at me. This is on the test for you. I'm going to add it to your test only. Okay. okay, letter A. What does ye are gods mean? In John 10, 31 to 36, particularly verses 34 to 35, Jesus quotes Psalm 82, verse 6 to make a point. And I give you what John Calvin writes about it as a good answer. Okay? But it says, ye are gods. Well, wait a minute. Only God is God. How can it say ye are gods? And Jesus quotes the psalm without uh, some kind of disclaimer explanation, okay? Is he saying that we're all gods? No. It's a, it's a way of speaking. Like sometimes, especially in the old uh, English, a lot of people were called lords, right? I think they still have that formal titles, right? I'm lord of some place, right? You know. Um, so I'm going to give you some stuff from John Calvin on this question. Is it not written in your law... He clears himself of the crime charged against him, not by denying that he is the Son of God, but by maintaining that he had justly said so. The argument which he employs is not drawn from equals, but from the less to the greater. So he's saying, why do you have a problem that I'm saying I'm the Son of God? You and your authority, authoritative uh, role are called God's little g, like lords, right? You're in authority. And by the lesser to the greater, if you can call yourselves lords or gods, I'm the son of God because I'm greater. I'm the son of God from heaven. I'm the, I created you. I'm the authority, okay? I'll go on with Calvin's notes. I said you are gods. Scripture gives the name of gods to those on whom God has conferred an honorable office. He whom God has separated to be distinguished above all others is far more worthy of this honorable title. Hence it follows that they are malicious and false expounders of Scripture who admit the first, but take offense at the second. So his accusers don't have a problem with speaking of one another as God's little g, but they have a problem with him being called the Son of God, big G. And he's saying, look, I'm higher than you. The next bullet point from Calvin, the passage which Christ quotes is in Psalm 82, 6. I have said you are God's, little g, and all of you are children of the Most High. Where God expostulates with the kings and judges of the earth who tyrannically abuse their authority and power for their own sinful passions, for oppressing the poor and for every evil action, he reproaches them that unmindful of him from whom they received so great dignity, they profane the name of God. Christ applies this to the case in hand. So again, he's referring to the fact, why do you have a problem with this? Psalm 86 speaks of God's little g. I'm the son of God. I'm higher in authority than you. It's not a problem. And he's, he's arguing from the lesser to the greater to prove uh, there, he is right to refer to himself as the Son of God. Okay, He's not saying they're gods. To use the word gods in that context in, in the psalm is like saying lords or sometimes masters. You know, Christ is called master, Christ is called lord, but little l, little g, little m. We don't speak that way. We don't use the word gods today, but in that time, it would be a way of saying like lords or masters. Um, it's not saying that everybody is God, it is a divinity. Okay? Um, it's kind of like the way they refer to the, to, the, to the men who put together the Westminster Assembly. They call them the Westminster Divines. But they don't mean that they are gods. It's a title of respect uh, and of their background. Okay, And so Jesus is pointing that out by using that quote, arguing from the lesser to the greater. 
I'll, uh, I'll let you look at that more if, if you want to digest it. I don't want to spend too much time on one thing. But I'll give you one more bullet. Notice that Jesus knew his word very well and how prominent the Psalms are in the New Testament. You know, we sing the Psalms. You remember the extra supplements we had in class. Um, I, I was so encouraged reading the confessions again this week that uh, Augustine, early church father, one of the greatest, if not the greatest church father of all time, some say, talks how he's, he so often talks about singing the Psalms, including at his mother's death. And how it was comforting to them all. And he just talks about how important it is singing the Psalms. He even says, God, forgive me for being more interested in the melody than in your word singing the Psalms. Because that's the thing. It shouldn't be about the tune. It should be about the word and God. Not that a tune is wrong. And I don't think it's wrong to like a tune. But he's so sensitive with that. But notice, the Psalms are quoted more than anything in the New Testament. And here Jesus, again, is referring to a psalm. It's very good for us to sing the Psalms among other theological reasons, practically to know God's word well. And that's why they quoted it more than anything else in the New Testament from the Old. But that's not the main focus of that subject, so let me go to letter B. Another question that came up. I think this is one you might find more helpful. Uh, I know it's come up in the years uh, in discussions for me. James and Acts 15.20 talk about not eating things strangled or with blood. Is the ceremonial law still binding? Following is a help. By the way, this is significant. It's applicable to tonight because many of us had pepperoni on our pizza before we ran into class, right? Is the ceremonial law related to dietary things still binding? Following is a helpful summary explanation, and I give it to you from uh, GCI.org. So a lot of times I'm, I'm giving you somebody else's work on it uh, to check my work, and I think they've done the study and they articulate it well. So admittedly, I'm giving you other resources for the answers in this section. The Gentiles were without a synagogue, ba- uh, excuse me, the Gentiles without a synagogue background were coming into the church, a situation significantly different than that faced in Acts chapter 10, uh, where Peter is free to eat now anything, right? Their single greatest instructional need would be to avoid paganism or syncretism. Syncretism is kind of compromising and making something that is not Christian, kind of Christianizing it, right? Like, okay, well, we're going to take your false gods and now we're going to call them saints in the Roman Catholic Church, for instance, right? Uh, We're not going to syncretize and and kind of give it a new Christianizing to it, okay? And they're concerned, these new Gentile Christians, like, are we allowed to do some of these things? By the way, I remind you, we looked at this, Acts chapter 15, especially important, Uh, as a demonstration of church councils and synods, right? Higher, broader sharing of authority with multitude of churches and the elders and the apostles meeting together to decide things that they sent back with decisions to the churches, okay? So the decree lists four things demonstrably associated with pagan cults as well as with Jewish sensitivities. The words have other associations too, but pagan cultic associations are a viable option. The decree is given in answer to people who taught that Gentiles had to keep the law of Moses. This implies that the decree is not based on the law of Moses. It does not perpetuate ritualistic laws of either Jews or Gentiles. This theory explains why all Gentiles needed to comply with the decree, whether they lived near Jews or not, and why there was no decree for Jewish Christians. Um, 
that's kind of explaining like why these things they focus on in this text. They had the mind of not offending Jewish sensitivities, not looking like they're bringing in pagan practices. It was kind of a wisdom thing they're advising. And they do say in context, more than that, we don't feel like we should be, we don't want to give you more than that to burden you. Okay? But they were giving advice on these questions. Now, you can look at that and digest it more. If you, if you, if you want more on that, let me know and I'll, I'll do some more work on it. Uh, top of page 231, letter C. And this is related to last week's study of death and the resurrection. And uh, I found it with Thomas Watson. I found it right before Mrs. Corson swiped it and took it home on Saturday after breakfast. I got it just in time Friday or Thursday. Um, by the way, I, I'm still looking for that quote on uh, the despair topic with uh, Thomas Watson. I have gone through several books, several non-Watson books too. I think I might have remembered where it could be. Pray for me. I'm still trying to find it. Hopefully coming to you in a, a pastoral devotion near you soon. But here's the question, uh, top of page 231. How do our bodies, after years of decomposition into almost nothing recognizable, or in some cases having been burned to ashes or rotten away uh, or eaten by fishes in the sea, be brought back together to be raised? How's that possible? So, Thomas Watson does address this in... um, I think, yeah. In the, well, okay, I, I actually tell you. In the body of divinity. <laughs> Stick to the notes, kid. Okay. And uh, he's just got two paragraphs that I think are very helpful. And I've added a scripture or two that I think is useful. And I think we'll go to those scriptures. This really is the last thing we'll look at tonight. I have some other things uh, that I've included in the notes for you um, about the Westminster Standards. I actually kept sticking them in the back of my notes, hoping to pepper them in throughout the study, and I've never gotten to it. I almost didn't give them to you because they're really not where I hope to have them someday. I just let you have them if they're beneficial to you, mostly from FESCO's study of the Westminster theology and history of the Westminster Standards. I'm not going to go over that with you tonight, so just so you know, we're done after this. We'll, we'll sing, we'll pray, we'll go. So I do want to look at, I think, two scriptures in this last answer. Okay, once again, if our bodies immediately because of burning or something, or just over time because of corruption, become dust, nothing, particles everywhere, how are our bodies, how, how does it work? How is our bodies raised from the dead with the new spiritual bodies? Okay, Thomas Watson has some great answers, and we'll look at a couple scriptures. So the first thing he says, page 231 towards the top. But some say, as the virgin to marry the angel, how can this be? How can it be that the body which is consumed to acids, ashes, should rise again. It does not oppose reason, but transcends it. There are some resemblances of the resurrection in nature. The corn, which is sown in the ground, dies before it springs up. That which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. 1 Corinthians 15.36 In winter the fruits of the earth die. In spring there is a resurrection of them. Noah's olive tree springing after the flood was a lively emblem of the resurrection. After the passion of our Lord, many of the saints which slept in the grave arose. Matthew 27, verse 52. God can more easily raise the body out of the grave than we can wake a man out of sleep. I like that. I mean, it's easier for God to raise a man out of the grave, even if his body's all in little parts than it is for you and me to wake somebody. Hey, and by the way, sometimes it's not easy to wake somebody, right? Are you awake back there? She's laughing. She's very tired. Something to do with a pregnancy. I don't know. I guess we'll give her a break. Okay. Um, 
<coughs> Hopefully I can get in tonight. Okay, uh, so of course I give you a lot of scriptures. We're not going to look at all of them, but Genesis 2-7, we're made out of ashes, right? And uh, it's one of those scriptures, Genesis 3-19, I think it is, if it's not Job, where we get that phrase, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, from, from ashes you came to ashes you will return. This is, we're made from ashes. So if God makes Adam originally out of dirt, out of the ashes, just brings it together, well, it, it's not any different for him to do it again, raising our bodies from, from the ashes, right? I mean, of course, we're talking about miraculous works and we're talking about Almighty God who can, can do anything. And I don't think we can really imagine it, but he can do it. Okay, yeah, Linda. Wait, hold on a minute. Where's the mic? No, 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 no. I'm not listening. You got it? I want everybody to be able to hear. Although you're in the front, it probably would be good. No, no, no. I have to be not a, a respecter of persons. Okay, what's your question? You're not going to sing? Come on. All right, good. Oh, thanks. I think that is a typo, yeah. Boy, oh boy. I'm sorry. It seems like I can't, I can't get a Thomas Watson quote down without... Uh, do you, you don't happen to have the body of divinity with you at the moment, do you, Mrs. Corson? In the car. Okay, before you leave, would you bring it in, please, and I'll correct it. Some say, as the virgin to... I think it's supposed to be, as the virgin Mary to the angels, what it's supposed to be. Uh, sorry about that. Thanks for catching that. You sure you don't want to sing real quick? Something. Come on. Oh, all right. Okay. I'm trying to think of something to sing for your point of. I can't think of anything. Okay. What? Did somebody sing? Somebody sing it? Uh, oh, okay. Ready? Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mr. Vance. I might break the mic. No, you won't. Come on. Go ahead. Give it to him. Wait a minute, I know that Mrs. Maxwell is a huge Linda Ronstadt uh, fan. You want to give us something from the Spanish album? All right, later we're going to try to squeeze it out of her. Okay. And everybody on Sermon Audio is like, I'm never going to this crazy church. It's a Wednesday night lecture, it's not worship. Okay, yes, do you want to sing? You want to sing, Gabriel? Okay. But hey, don't leave it too much. Mommy has to sing too much. for getting silly here. Okay, thank you for asking that. I'm going to get to the second quote, and I do want to look at... Oh, no, you know what? Okay, revisit 1 Corinthians 15, 35 to 58. He's quoting from it, and actually, I think it answers our question quite a bit. I'd like to read it with you, okay? And uh, then we're going to go to one other section in Scripture. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, please. All right. So all these people are thinking now, I'm not going to join. He's going to make me sing crazy lounge lizard songs in front of everyone. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, 35. 
So actually, yeah, Thomas Watson is, he's basing his argument on this scripture. He quotes from it briefly. And as I looked at it, I thought, you know, I think it would be helpful to read this in context, especially because it, it really is something to encourage us where we left off with the climax of the confession last week. So 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-five to the end. Hear now the word of the Lord. But some may, man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the uh, strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That last verse we had a sermon on a little while ago by request of Mr. Renner. Um, but notice, even if we don't die, if Jesus comes back tonight, our bodies are going to be transformed. We have to have a spiritual body. Our bodies are, in, are corruptible, and we need incorruptible. So, whether our bodies have disintegrated in the grave or ready, whether we're right here, when Jesus comes, our bodies have to be transformed into a spiritual body. So it's going to change anyways. 
you know, we, how's that going to look? I, I don't know. Don't ask me to explain that one either. Um, but uh, um, it's a mystery, he says, right? But I think that's a pretty important scripture to go to that question. And again, it's a mystery. We, we can't fully understand. But what I do think we should emphasize is the testimony of God raising our bodies and bringing them back together or transforming our bodies into spiritual bodies that can go straight into heaven, new heavens, new earth, is this. Death, where is thy victory? God is going to proclaim again his power over death in the resurrection. He's going to show he has the power over death. Christ is the first fruits of our resurrection. Christ has already shown it. He showed it raising Lazarus. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that's what we want to focus on, right? God is going to show his power to raise us from whatever we are at that point, living or dead, all really corrupted, and make us spiritual new bodies. And we're going to say, thanks be to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Death and the grave has no power over us. It'd be pretty tremendous, won't it? And uh, what a witness God can give to do something like that, right? It's going to be powerful. Okay, I want to go over the next paragraph with you and one more scripture. And uh, before I do, because I'm afraid I'll forget, and I have a few extra copies if the kids didn't get them and want them. If you turn towards the back, uh, there's also an article, A Biblical and Social Manifesto to American Pastors. Um, the, the extraordinary leader preaches the full counsel of God unapologetically. Dean Boyles, he's a local lawyer, and he does a lot of work uh, uh, related to Christianity and uh, law. And uh, anyways, that's something that encouraged me early in the ministry, still does. I put it to, in your notes at the beginning, but I had it in there at the end. I thought I'd leave it in there in the end. But what I want to draw your attention to is the last thing. The Tree of Life, a visual guide to the Westminster Shorter Catechism. This is by RP Missions, explaining the diagram by my professor, who's now with the Lord in Heaven. Uh, the next page is called Shorter Catechism Tree Diagram. You'll see Steve Miller's signature, spring of 2017. He was one of my professors for missions. Uh, he was probably one of the most influential professors in me in thinking through this Westminster Standards in ministry, along with Dr. Bruteau. And uh, he died of Lou Gehrig's disease. He had a, a really difficult death. And he gave an amazing witness through to the end. His wife, uh, Jane, sent this to me. If you come into my new office, what I encourage you to, uh, it's, mostly, uh, it's mostly ready to look at. Uh, I have this diagram you see here. It's a diagram of the Shorter Catechism. And it kind of has this, these different places where the branches of the tree go, and it shows where it can lead to death or life. It's supposed to be in the back of your notes. Yeah, you don't have it? Oh, okay. Uh, Abe, would you come up and get these extra copies here and give them to... Uh, that's my mistake. I'm sorry that you don't have it, but we'll get it to you. Who else doesn't have it? Anybody? Just two? Okay. Debbie has one now. How many more copies do we have here? Looks like two. That explains why I had extra copies. I couldn't figure it out. It's because I didn't give them to you. Okay, everybody who doesn't have one, raise your hands, please. We got lots of extra copies. Becky, you can keep it. We got lots of extras. No, you don't have that. I never gave it out. This is the first time. No, I never gave this before. This is the first time I gave this. No, you go back and look. I'm pretty sure. If I'm wrong, I'll buy you dinner. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you have that diagram. All right, I'll buy you dinner. I'm taking you both out to dinner if I'm wrong. It's too late. I can't go back on it, right? Okay. I didn't think I ever gave it out before, but I guess I did. Yes, Isaac. Do you know that 
Oh, I put it in a bulletin. Oh, maybe that's what I did. Okay, anyways, I want you to see that it's there. I'm not going to go over it, but I think it's a neat resource. And Mrs. Miller actually sent me a, a big poster version of it in color, and I just framed it and hung it in my new office if you'd like to look at it. So uh, it's a really neat uh, tool to study the Shorter Catechism. And let's go back to page 231, and I'm going to close it up now with the next quote by Thomas Watson, and then we're going to go to Ezekiel, and we'll be done. So still on this question of how are our bodies going to be raised from the dead if they've disintegrated, okay? So we already read a good explanation. We already read uh, an important scripture, 1 Corinthians 15. But I want to read his next paragraph, which is helpful, and then a scripture that I thought would be good to go to. So the second paragraph by Thomas Watson, middle of page 231. But when the dust of many, he's kind of taking another question, but when the dust of many are mingled together, how is it possible that a separation should be made and the same numerical body arise? So what he's saying is, you know, when all these people die and all their bodies just get all mixed together in the dirt and the dust, how is it possible he's going to bring them out and separate them from one another? Here's his answer. I think it's pretty helpful. If we believe God can create, why not distinguish the dust of one body from another? Do we not see the chemist out of several metals mingled together as gold, silver, alchemy can extract one from the other? The silver from the gold, the alchemy from silver, and can reduce every metal to its own kind. And shall we not much more believe that when our bodies are mingled and confounded with other substances, the wise God is able to reinvest every soul with its own body? I thought that's a pretty good example from the work of a chemist and drawing out things from mixtures into its refined purity. God can do the same with our bodies. Okay, one last thing, one last scripture, and we're going to close. Would you open your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37, please? One of the major Old Testament prophets, Ezekiel, chapter 37. Right after Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Notice it ends with L. Tomorrow, Fernanda and Isaac and Gabriel and Gideon and kind of Juliana and myself will be on the radio at 1130 talking about the names of God and we're going to emphasize that L is in all their middle names, and in Gabriel, his first name. What does L mean? Do you remember from our study, guys? Strength. Strength. Yeah, strength. Okay, so Ezekiel. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 37, and I want to read verses 1 to 14. It's a very well-known scripture, but it occurs to me this is a good one to think about to close the class as we think about how God can raise our bodies from the dead. But of course, this is more than just about that. It's how God is going to build his church and raise the church often when it looks as if it's left for dead and revive the church. And of course, at the very end, raise his church from the dead and whoever's left uh, in the end and raise us up and show his mighty church. Uh, think of it related to the question about the resurrection, but also how God's going to raise up his church in the end and he can keep doing it in the history of the church until his return. I think this is a good place to end thinking about those few things. And uh, I'm not going to comment more than that. I'm just going to read it. And uh, we'll sing and we'll close in prayer. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold... 
There were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied, uh, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bones to his bone, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he to, unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves, and cause you to come up out of your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and ye shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Would you please open your Psalters with me to Psalm 98, page 360 and 361. I'd like to Sing this together and then we'll close. Now there is a, a man's part and a lady's part. If we're a little rusty, don't worry about it, but it's uh, one we've sang many times together. Psalm 98, verses 1 to 9, pages 360 to 361. We'll sing this together and then we'll close in prayer. Thank you for being such great listeners and participants. Next week. We'll do a, a simple devotion that will be easy to stop early, okay? But I will assign one of you to stand up and make me stop if I'm, if I'm not stopping on time. Psalm 98. Da, da. Actually, girls, can I ask you to come out here? We're going to end, and it, I know you know the girls' part pretty good. Can you come out to sing Psalm 98 with us, please? It'll be helpful. Thanks. Oh, is Gideon sleeping? Oh, okay. He's just nice and cozy. Okay, Psalm 98. Somebody can share with them, please. Da, 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 da. Oh, sing a new song to 
the Lord, for wonders he hath done, for wonders he hath done. His right hand and his holy arm, him victory hath won, him victory hath won. Victory hath won. The Lord God his salvation hath caused it to be known, cause it to be known. His justice is Together joy declare, Together joy 
together joy to judge the world with equity, and we say, as your bride, with the Holy Spirit, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly, raise us up, transform us with a twinkling of an eye into our new bodies, and bring us into your eternal kingdom, your Father's house, in the new heavens and the new earth. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And all your people said, Amen. Amen.